Hello and welcome to the Innovation Forum podcast. I'm B. Stevenson, Stakeholder Engagement and Communications Manager at IF. I'm speaking today with Salah Sastamoinen, who is the Director for Civil and Commercial Justice in the Directorate General of Justice and Consumers at the European Commission. Welcome to the podcast, Salah. Thank you very much, Bea. We're here to talk about the new EU proposed directive for corporate due diligence and corporate accountability. Why don't you start by giving some background on your role at the EC and how it relates to this new directive, Salah? This is indeed a very new proposal from last month, but which has already some years background. We started in 2018 in the framework of the Sustainable Financing Action Plan. And the idea is that the all of the policy areas from the financing to the commercial law will feed to the bigger goals of the union, currently the transition towards sustainability, green transition. So this is then one of the measures to support the companies in this sustainable transition. What does or what will mandatory corporate due diligence entail for companies in terms of human rights and sustainability? We are indeed here creating a method, this type of an obligatory due diligence process for the companies to assess that they do not cause adverse human rights and environmental impacts. So what the companies would then need to do, that they would need to take the appropriate steps in their own actions and also in their value chain in this kind of the due diligence process. When I talk about the companies themselves and the value chains, it means that the value chains are within the EU and also outside of the EU. For the due diligence process, there are certain, I think, well-known steps from the other international framework, namely that the companies, they have to integrate the due diligence into their policies. In that process, they will need to identify whether it's actual or potential adverse effects to the human rights or environment caused by the activities of these companies. And then if they find in this identification that there is a risk for the adverse effects, they have to set up a mitigation measures or prevent first and then mitigate if something is there. And as a last stop, they have to also seize any of that type of measures so stop possible adverse measures. And the due diligence process includes also that this is the monitoring of the whole process at the end, the communicating, so disclosing information about it. So that type of the due diligence uh, is it. When we look at this one, it's it's not new. It's a corporate uh, duty. Uh, we have had it in the voluntary level. I mentioned, I already referred to these international frameworks. What I there meant is the UN guiding principles for the business and human rights, and then the OECD uh, work on the responsible business conduct. So we have businesses who have tried this one. We found that it would be useful to have it uh, as a general framework for the businesses in the EU. You said that this will impact companies kind of inside the EU and outside. What kind of companies will these be and which sectors will be impacted? We were reflecting the question when preparing the proposal. First, we wanted to keep it horizontal. It means that it is all areas of trade and commerce, including actually in the financial sector. How we wanted to have a proportionate start is that the new rules will then apply to the large limited liability companies. We started with the companies who have a significant impact then in the European markets. 
we need to naturally define what is large companies and what we mean here in the proposal it is the companies that have more than 500 employees and a turnover of 150 million euros and more this is a worldwide turnover this is the first group and this group we also the rules will cover the third country companies so companies that are not registered in the eu but which have a sizable turnover in the eu in this group it is those third country companies who have a turnover of 150 million and more in the eu markets so that was asked uh, from our consultations when we prepared and that is also in our gap in our eu area and that way it enhances the sustainability for everybody here so this was the first group we then thought that the smaller companies which have a again a significant effect in certain sectors should be covered but there they are phased in it's kind of the staged approach so there's a second group of the companies that is more than 250 employees and a turnover of the 40 million worldwide and that that they operate these sectors with the high risk or higher risk on the human rights violations or higher risk to the harm the environment and that has been identified for example in agriculture on textiles or minerals and on this group we also followed the international examples so these are areas where the OECD has prepared guidance already on the conduct of the company so this is the second one as i said there's a little bit more time it would be once the directive is then or the proposal is then negotiated and adopted and transposed and then those this second group of companies will still get two extra year so these are the companies when we then looked what does it mean in practical terms it means that in numbers it seems that it is only 1% of the companies in the eu so only 13000 companies because we do not cover micro companies or smes these are not then directly under the proposal but in terms of the market power our proposal would cover about 50% of the eu turnovers we believe that this has a indeed significance then uh, in the influencing uh, in positively to this transition to sustainability and before the proposed directive comes into force how can companies use that time to prepare best to comply now rightly as you say it is now a proposed directive so it goes now to the union legislators to the european parliament and the council of the member states to negotiations we estimate it takes a couple of years and then the transposition period in the directive is also two years so let's say that the companies have now four to five years these large companies to also to prepare themselves one from the commission point of view we would expect that they are already starting to build or let's say continue building those who have sustainability aspects to their business strategies and also creating the structures for the due diligence many frontliner companies are doing that we have the frames on the voluntary basis there are examples so it would be good that those who are already doing it could act as an examples for the others to come this is the time that they can use or what they can do in the time before it's really then compulsory maybe it also mentioned that it is the our 
proposal, this proposed directive on uh, corporate sustainability due diligence is not the only measure at the union level. We have, uh, uh, there's also a uh, directive for the sustainability reporting which is a review of the non-financial reporting directive. This is probably come already earlier. When the companies are preparing to take into account the actions in this proposal for due diligence, they are supporting themselves on taking them and executing the rules of the other similar or coherent, the complementary pieces of legislation. So this is also then, uh, let's say, beneficial on both sides. What might be the consequences or perhaps even sanctions for companies that don't comply? In order then to be efficient, indeed, uh, the union legislation has to have also enforcement measures. It's not sufficient that we would just legislate, but one has to monitor that the rules are applied in practice. We are talking here about the proposed directive. So it means that the directive is transposed by the member states. So it will become a national legislation and it will be then for the member states that they set up the monitoring and supervision measures. In our proposal, we have chosen, say, the double path. So there is the public enforcement, so supervising authorities, and then there is a private enforcement, meaning that we propose harmonized rules on the civil liability. So these both aspects there. This public enforcement through the national authorities, EU member states, they have to set or nominate which authority is doing that. They are given the national bodies, also then given powers to give sanctions. Sanctions should be, as usual in the EU law, effective, proportionate and dissuasive. And in the proposal, we mention examples what it can be. It can be imposing fines to the companies or issue orders requiring that the company complies with the due diligence obligation. Also something that often is created, we will create a network at the European level where these national authorities come together and where they can, through discussion and coordination, ensure that the future due diligence legislations are applied consistently across the EU, across the different member states. So this was this public enforcement side. We took also then a patent attention to the position of the possible victims who have been subject to the damage. So there the background comes also from the international frameworks of which stipulate for the civil liability as an important tool for the enforcement. So we propose harmonizing the civil liability rules relating to this due diligence directive. That means that those who are affected by the harm, they will have the opportunity to hold the companies to account by making a legal claim before the court. They have possibility to bring civil liability claim before the competent national courts. And maybe to stress that the civil liability, it concerns the harms that are caused by the failure to have the due diligence process. That is the obligation under the proposal. We are not creating any new substantive obligations. I mean, these come already from the existing, so on the level of the protection of human rights or on the level of the protection of environment. These exist already on the base of the legislations possibly originating from the international conventions. But the failure 
that can be subject to the liability claim concerns then this uh, possible failure to having carried out the due diligence uh, process. So this is maybe important to mention. These two, both public enforcement and then the private enforcement is foreseen. I'm interested to hear about these victims. So might this include kind of victims of climate change or victims of modern trafficking, modern slavery or human trafficking? What would be the victims? That's a very good question because that allows me also to clarify the aspect about what does environment cover also and environmental harm. We don't, the directive does not count climate aspect as part of the environmental harm, which requires a due diligence. The due diligence process concerns environmental protection, but there are some specific rules then related to climate change in the proposal. These larger companies where the directive will then apply, they will need to make a plan to ensure their business strategy is compatible with this uh, limiting the global warming to 1.5 Celsius degrees. That is the obligation coming from the Paris Agreement and where we want that the companies take this commitment in their business strategies. And actually for their, this climate part, that is not subject to the civil liability claims. We made a difference because of all the fact that the climate is not covered by the due diligence process, that it's not yet so clear what the precise obligations for the companies when they are acting to limit their emissions to be in line with the Paris Agreement. So they have a more general obligation there than the precise due diligence process. But then those victims in relation to the civil liability possibilities, they are persons or even legal persons who have become victims of the violations of the rights that we have clarified in the proposal through international conventions. So we are indicating in the proposal that's uh, for those who might be looking for it, is the annexes of the proposal, a list of the major human rights conventions and the major environment protection conventions. Example, what you mentioned, for example, victims of human trafficking, this is an, one point that is mentioned in the or one of those conventions covered by the annexes. So it can be also, it could be labor rights, it could be any human right that is uh, protected by these broadly ratified international conventions. These are those rights that we aim to cover and to protect. So this proposed directive is acknowledgments of the responsibility of companies in the green transition and in protecting human rights. How do you see the relationship between EU legislation and corporate action evolving? The companies have taken this voluntary action already for some years, and that we are grateful. We see that there is the part of the group of the companies that are sensitive to the societal demands, to the ethical demands on the consumers. These companies are putting in place sustainability tools at the corporate level. So when we were preparing the proposal, we studied the current situations and we found out that it is around 30% of the very large companies that state that they are conducting some kind of due diligence, which we really are grateful. So that is this, let's say, risk they call it responsible companies. But that means that at least based on our studies, this means that 70% did not go so far on the voluntary basis. This corporate action level is a good start, but it is not sufficient to have the full changes in the European Union, in our society, towards the sustainability transition. So what is the legislation then bringing? The legislation is bringing this in naturally in a uh, compulsory way, 
but also the way that creates the, let's say, respects the internal markets, takes out the national fragmentation, because we do have some member states, EU countries, who are creating this at the national level. And if every member state would create a different, it could bring obstacles to the internal market. That way, preventing this fragmentation and creating a level playing field for the companies through the legislation. Maybe to say also that we have various types of the legislation in the union. There has been sectoral legislation already concerning the due diligence also in the area of the conflict minerals or timber. But now we have proposed also further sectoral legislation concerning, for example, batteries, waste from batteries, or on the deforestation. So there also we have the sectoral legislation alone would not cover then all type of the main significant companies. The voluntary is something that is indeed a good start. It's very laudable for the companies already to take, but it does not bring everybody or sufficient of the companies with further horizontal legislation was something that we thought it was needed. And actually, we believe now that we will get our member states, our European Parliament with us on board to have it as a compulsory legislation in a couple of years. Thank you. The directive is certainly very welcome. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast to explain it. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs>